Hello, Rapids fans. This is Holding the High Line with Rabbi and Red. My name is Matt Pollard. It is Friday, January 20th, 2023. Earlier this week, uh, Michael Rice, who is a writer for World Football Index and New York Soccer Times and has a YouTube channel and podcast called MLS Updater, asked me to come on his show to talk about the Colorado Rapids, preview the 2023 season. And the conversation was perfectly timed because it was right at the tail end of that 48-hour period this week where the Rapids were linked to the Danish center back and the two goalkeepers and Connor Ronan for Wolves. It was a really good conversation. Michael did all of his homework. Always appreciate that as a guest on somebody else's podcast. Uh, It was so good. I asked him, hey, Michael, my listeners would really like to hear me say this. Could you give me the audio and could I run it on uh, on our own feed for our own listeners. And he said, absolutely. So here is that conversation. Uh, this conversation happened prior to the news from this morning, uh, talking to you on Friday, uh, regarding Vox Media and SB Nation. There will be another episode out on the feed where Rabbi and I talk about all of that and the fallout and what it could mean for us and Burgundy Wave and me and uh, the general MLS uh, you know, media landscape as well. Fair warning, that episode is not safe for work. Things were consumed prior to and during the recording. Four-letter words were said um, as well for that. But if you want to get caught up on the actual news from the Rapids this week, there's this episode. And then um, talking about the media stuff and everything will come uh, in the episode later on, just a little bit later in the feed. If you're listening to this like Sunday afternoon, Saturday afternoon, uh, it's probably already up there as well. Um, links to Michael and all of his stuff uh, where you can find all of his content are in the show notes. Without further ado, here is my 2023 Colorado Rapids preseason uh, preview and silly season analysis with Michael Rice for MLS Updater. Hi guys, welcome to another MLS update with me, Mike. Um, today we're going to be taking a bit of a deep dive into the Colorado Rapids. I'm delighted to have Matt with me today. Matt, how are you doing? I'm very good. How are you, Michael? Really good, thank you. Really good. Um, down here in uh, in uh, Lima, so I'm enjoying the summer as opposed to your uh, winter right now, as you've been saying. So, um, how's things going? Um, covering the club, let everyone know um, how where you do that at the moment and where they can follow all your work. Sure. Just to get you set and get get you primed for talking about the Rapids, Michael, uh, there's about a half foot of snow on the ground. Uh, what's that in centimeters? Uh, 15 <laughs> centimeters, maybe. Um, and uh, it's cold. We're getting more snow today. Um, the Colorado Rapids are currently based in Queretaro. Uh, they're playing their first of three indoor behind uh, closed door scrimmages uh, in Mexico. So they're at altitude, but certainly in a warm place as well. So they're in a yeah. good place. You're in a good place, Michael. I'm in a great place for skiing not a great place for football but um (laughs) so uh it's been a busy time around the club as we'll get to there's a bunch of rumors i am the managing editor of burgundy wave it's the colorado rapids site within the sb nation um mega mothership um and then i'm also host of one of the the two premier colorado rapids podcasts holding the high line with rabbi and red i'll i know we're not doing video but i am the ginger of those two as well so uh that's me um and then you can follow me on twitter if you really want at lws matt pollard fantastic fantastic and let's yeah let's dive straight in um a quick look at 2022 obviously 2021 was a fantastic season and things really did really did change what what really happened there was it just too many players underperforming last year or was there the way the roster was set up wasn't quite settled to what what needed to happen 
2021, everything I think went about as perfectly as it could in terms yeah. of how the team was playing, the results, the certain things that they did tactically, every signing that they had hit, um, they were very healthy. And then I think the other teams around them that would have been super competitive at the top of the Supporter Shield race at the top of the Western Conference had kind of an off period towards the end of that season that allowed the Rapids to finish top of the Western Conference in the regular season. Obviously heartbreaking and unexpected uh, knockout loss in that first round. Um, to the Portland Timbers on American Thanksgiving. Um, in terms of what happened this season, obviously there were some departures. The club sold Kellen Acosta and under kind of dubious circumstances for me. He's now, you know, World Cup veteran and MLS Cup champion with Los Angeles FC. Cole Bassett was loaned out for his first of two clubs that he was at the Netherlands and the midfield depth kind of fell off. You add in um, key long-term injuries to uh, Brian Galvan and Abubakar Keita and then eventually Ali Laraz and Yaya Torre. That takes away your depth at every single position. Torre forward, Ali's a midfielder, Abubakar Keita was a center back. They had issues at center back this past year um, and Brian Galvan's kind of going to he was going to play in a couple of different roles and then throughout it jack price you know captain um you know got hurt as well that hurt the team on set pieces that hurt the team defensively and they're albeit you know weak center back core was ultimately exposed and they couldn't really robin frazier was patching things up and everything yeah. you know it was a smooth journey through 2021 and then as soon as he figured out how to plug one hole or have one hole not be the reason this, the ship's gonna sink another hole would ultimately plug up and you know eventually you know that just the the team couldn't take it and they ended up missing the playoffs albeit by what i think four or five points yeah it's, it's, it all ended up incredibly close going into the um those last couple of weeks of the season and could have gone either way at times i think you had a really tough run in at the end of that you're playing competitors going for those playoff spots um uh, from what yeah. i remember off the top of my head so um, yeah it was a difficult difficult time but a new a new season ahead um to change uh to change things up and um we were saying before we started it was it's uh, fortuitous timing for doing this as rumors are circling around as to more additions coming in um but one that's already come in that i guess we should really sort of uh highlight kevin cabral coming in from um the la galaxy tell us a little bit about how this has been received around the club the ideas of what what they want how they want to use him after not the best spell in uh, la galaxy to say the least yeah. Yeah, it's been a little bit of a mixed bag. You know, Michael, the, the Rapids don't spend like other teams yeah. obviously do. And there's kind of this theme. Uh, I, I've added words to it, so it's going to sound long and complicated, but it's going to make sense. But it's the uh, <laughs> it's distressed assets island. It's revenge of the distressed assets on an island FC. Um, and so, uh, you know, the, the Rapids really started this trend that we see now of domestic players moving within the league and mm -hmm. then using those mechanisms to get quality proven domestic players at a what would be a reasonable price relative to what they would sell for internationally or what a yeah. player in a similar league at a similar level coming into MLS would cost and obviously there's financial mechanisms that limit the amount and how much how many of those players that you can bring in and the Rapids really kicked that off you know if there's ever an ESPN 30 for 30 on this that <laughs> first big trade should be Kellen Acosta from FC Dallas to Colorado mm -hmm. Rapids and so this is the biggest upside trade that they've had if you talk about what the Rapids ultimately paid for him as opposed to what they could get and yeah. what they could resell him for now understandably i think the galaxy ultimately ended up overpaying i think i heard in total assets i think it was six million dollars or something yeah. like that um 
And then obviously the Rapids just sent what I think it was a I think it was a million in general allocation money, and then the Galaxy are picking up half of his wages, and then there's a sell-on clause um, with that as well. But you know, if we're talking about if the Rapids can get him back up to where he's actually worth six million dollars, and then another French team comes in for that, then the Rapids paid one are getting three for that. They're making a profit on that on top of having a productive player that the Galaxy are paying, um, you know, half of his wages um, for that. Um, so it's a mixed bag in terms of where he was at with the. LA Galaxy. I mm. think it's interesting. The Rapids are obviously going to use him in a different way in ways that are going to try and get the most out of Kevin Cabral because they don't have Chitrido Hernandez on the no. team. Yeah. Um, Cabral was available for the uh, for the uh, media day that we had Tuesday of last week, I think. Um, and, you know, I asked him what position is he most comfortable in. Growing up, he was actually an underneath striker in a two-striker system. The Rapids play okay. with a front three, as I'm sure you're familiar with. Yeah. And he said, you know, he's comfortable up top. He's comfortable on the left as well. And then he can, but doesn't prefer to play on the right. The Rapids have Sam Nicholson and Michael Barrios on the right. Yeah. So I don't think that's a problem. So I think the team's going to come in and Robin Frazier's going to think, where is Kevin Cabral most comfortable? Where can I get the most out of him? He's getting priority in terms of that. If you combine that with maybe the way that he left the LA Galaxy, the familial like uplifting that you see from the Colorado Rapids and the fact that it's a bunch of other guys that showed up from other teams that are kind of peeved and have a point to prove and yeah. Robin Frazier is very good with young players if that's not an environment for this guy to succeed then he was never worth and will never be worth six million dollars no yeah I see what you mean it's definitely the yeah the taking the gamble in in some ways but the highlighting the fact that he obviously had quality there's something LA Galaxy saw um and I guess Robin Frazier is saying, well, you've used him incorrectly. I, I, and he thinks I could, he sees something that says I, I can change up how, how this player is used and really get the best out of him. And like you say, from going from yeah, a million in gown to have so much of his wage covered, it takes down that gamble was made even less <laughs> coming in. It's not so many sort of eggs in one basket. Yeah, the 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 low floor is what you got out of Jossie's artist last year. And then the high is, I think, certainly uh, we don't really have a young player of the year award. I think Cabral's too old now for the under 20, 20 uh, under 22. But, you know, certainly, you know, a, a player that we think of, you know, as that second tier level star that puts up good numbers and can have some highlight reels, a player to properly uh, compliment Diego Rubio, who the Colorado Rapids haven't had since Kai Kamara in 2019. Yeah, I guess um, speaking of Diego Rubio, I think he had his best season last year, didn't he? And it looks like then, from what you're saying, him and Cabral could be this sort of central point with the two. Neither one really a, seems like a focal striker, but it makes a very sort of fluid attack with the two changing up how may, maybe one drops deeper, one rotates around, one gets forward. Is that is that something that looks likely to happen? Yeah, I think so. You know, Rubio kind of had a really interesting arc. First of all, he had statistically the best individual season that a striker has ever had. Let me make sure that I don't get my stats wrong. So played in 30 of the 34 games, and then he had 16 goals and seven assists. His 16 goals tied on decision day, literally with the last kick of the ball <laughs> to get that draw in Austin, tied Connor Casey, I think 2009, 2010, sometime around the mm. MLS Cup years, but Connor Casey didn't have seven assists. So, um, you know, 23 goal contributions is the best regular season that a, a Rapids forward has ever had. And he did that with a couple different positions. And he did that with yeah. really not a lot of help around him. <laughs> Jonathan Lewis was inconsistent. Michael Barrios got moved to a, a backup striker role in the midfield in front of him was a mess. And he didn't get the same service that he would have wanted or needed on set pieces without Jack Price as well. And then, you know, uh, 
Jossie's artist comes in and Rubio gets moved into almost a 10 dual eight position in that midfield three. And he's just as dangerous and just as productive. If yeah. you look at shot attempts and goal contributions and everything, I can't think of, there's very few attackers. I would think of in this league that you move them further away from goal. And they're even <laughs> more dangerous from where they were in their natural yeah. position. So I think you could see a couple of different combinations. Um, Robin Frazier really loves his versatility. So the fact that Cabral can play anywhere in the front three, the fact that you can have Rubio in the midfield, you can have Rubio um, up top as well. I think we could see a couple different combinations and we could see the team certainly play with that during this preseason period. And in the early part of the season, um, the final primary transfer window date, I think doesn't close until late April though, with what we'll come on to in a couple of minutes, maybe the Rapids are actually doing all of their business literally in the month of January, yeah. <laughs> rather than waiting till late February to get it all officially over the line and get those players in um so robin frazier likes his versatility and he likes matching up certain little nuances to the opponent's weaknesses so we could see him play or have two or three different versions of what the rapids look like depending on what the opponent is presenting yeah and i guess i mean they seem to be the two focal like central forwards does does this mean like maybe young players like darren yappy are gonna get a few extra minutes with like a busier season ahead um with like obviously leagues cup as well and things like that yeah, I think it'll be that's the other kind of wild card that you have of do we have one of those young players really step in? That's the one thing that I didn't mention, Michael, from the uh, from what went wrong in 2021. You didn't really have a young player really step up and elevate themselves like you saw um, Sam Vines in 2018, Bassett in 2019, mm -hmm. um, Brian Gavon when he uh, got settled in 2021. And so I think that's what we're kind of looking for. You know, Yappy was great at the MLS two level, feeding off of scraps and still managing yeah. to score goals, hit a couple penalties that he drew as well um i'd like to see him make that next step and then obviously the rapids got you know calvin harris coming over from fc cincinnati and it's my understanding that the rapids were really interested in calvin harris when they traded up to third to try and get him that draft year cincinnati ended up picking second and needed a young striker as well so that's another little wrinkle that we could have i, I still think certainly kevin cabral and diego ruby are going to get way more minutes than yeah. i think those two combined they're going to score way more goals individually than i think those two combined um if, if calvin harris does bang in 10 goals then i think we're talking about the rapids <laughs> hosting a home playoff game but robin frazier likes his young players um he also will take time in terms of having them in training or in preseason and really prove themselves to him and when they've done that they will get opportunities and so we saw Darren Yappi do that over the course of the 2022 season where he was in training he looked okay with mm. the first team and then ultimately he got opportunities with the second team scored a bunch of goals was in training regularly towards the end of the season even with Jossie's artist still healthy obviously yeah. and then he gets that start on decision day didn't look particularly good, but I can't think of many MLS rookies that would look great, you know, in a, a road game at Austin and Austin's yeah. fighting for, you know, an MLS cup at that point. So I, I think they could get minutes as well. If you ask me right now, what I think, what do I think the Rapids are doing in Seattle? I think Kevin Cabral starts in the middle. And I, th I think Kevin Cabral starts up top as the number nine. And I think Diego Rubio starts at the 10 as well. But, um, you know, ask me after I've evaluated some, uh, you know, the highlight reel footage that we see from those closed door scrimmages over the next couple of weeks. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see. Definitely. And uh, let's, let's talk about um, Cole Bassett. Obviously, you mentioned how important he was when he was there. He's, he's gone away to the Netherlands, had a bit of a difficult time, it seems, and will be returning. How big is this going to be for him as well as the club um, in 2023? 
I think it's massive for the club. First of mm-hmm. all, you know, the, the midfield was, was shot to bits, um, you know, this past season with injuries, with departures as well. And the players that they brought in with the exception of really Ralph Prizzo, who again is another young player out of the TFC Academy that was going to have a hard time getting into that yeah. first team with Jonathan Osorio <laughs> and, you know, old man, Michael Bradley and everything. So, uh, you know, uh, Cole, Cole's going to be huge. Um, uh, Everything that the team did right that the team needed in midfield in 2021, Cole Bassett and Kellen Acosta provided, and then they lost that and they weren't really able to get that back. Um, And then you look at it, even though, you know, I would argue... I think in many ways you could call it a failure. I think certainly as his age, you know, I would say mm-hmm. the, the stint at Feyenoord was eye-opening. And then, you know, I've heard from multiple people, the situation ended up changing really quickly with the new head coach, um, you know, right. coming in what four training sessions in and that changed completely. And Cole was kind of, you know, um, you know, was hung out to dry or, you know, it, the, the situation completely changed and it wasn't suiting him given it was a short-term loan anyways. But even then he's stronger on the ball. I think he's certainly fitter, even though he was training at sea level and now he's back at altitude <laughs> yeah. and everything. So I think he's coming in probably also thinking in a way that, you know, he's got a point to prove, you know, he went over to Europe, couldn't really play with fire nor they sold, you know, a bunch of players got 60 million euros and everything, you know, they're challenging for the league right now. They're trying to do something in Europe and that's not necessarily the situation where Cole was going to kind of slide in naturally, um, you know, next to Goose Teal in that midfield. And then he goes to Fortuna. He doesn't play. And from an outsider's perspective, oh, young player comes in to a Dutch club that, you know, is looking to move players on and everything. He doesn't really fit in. And then he goes to, you know, a bottom feeder that's fighting the relegation battle and he barely plays at all. He sucks. He should play in MLS. He wants Mm -hmm. to prove that wrong. Robin Frazier wants to put him in a position to prove that wrong because he's going to be able to score goals. You know, one of Cole's nicknames here in Colorado is Goal Bassett as a (laughs) to Cole Bassett so you know we could see that as well what he does in the midfield and everything and on top of that you know he said and he looks to be much much stronger on the ball in terms of in possession when things get physical or when there's really tight spaces and that was the one thing that he struggled on before and that was the one thing that absolutely Mm -hmm. he looked poor at when he was in the Netherlands as well and that's something the Rapids were not particularly good at they couldn't really get a grips on the midfield win the ball back and then cleanly play out and everything Cole Bassett should be able to contribute to that Uh, Wolves player who we'll talk about in a minute yep. who's combined with a healthy Jack Price as well could contribute to that and then you've got Ali LaRoz and Ralph Prizzo finally healthy and proving themselves to Robin Frazier coming off the bench as well. Yeah definitely let's yeah let's stick with uh, Connor Ronan the uh, Wolves midfielder that's coming in um, it seems all um, been linked to uh, how, how is this going to um, how is this going to change up? It appears he's been quite a flexible player uh, across the midfield from what I'm reading. Um, and he's been on multiple loans. So he's fitting in. He's, he's done well at coming into a new side and settling quite quickly. And I guess that must be another key part of bringing him across to, uh, to them, uh, to Colorado. Yeah, Michael, we could do a whole podcast on just the parallels between the English championship and major league soccer and the similarities and where players at that level have succeeded and failed. And then also the, the, the wide variety of results that you have within that, you know, I have to think, you know, Irish international Porrick Smith, the technical director, uh, vice president of tech, technical vice president and general manager for your side. And most of your audience, effectively the technical director, um, 
you know, is originally from Ireland. And then obviously Connor would have overlapped for two years, I think in the championship and then in the premier league um, with uh, Jack price as well. And so I have to think price knows something about this player or knows somebody who knows somebody who could say whether or not he's good or not. And I'm sure Porrick has some connections down in Ireland from some youth team yeah. that Connor played for that was coached <laughs> by a player that Porrick played with during his non-league days as well. So um, I think the one thing that is a little bit concerning for me is you look at like where his loans have been and where he's played a whole lot and then where that compares compel where that compares to the competitive level within MLS you know it's a lot of sure. English League one which generally we would say is a little bit below MLS yeah. and then also he was in the Scottish Premiership for not one of the four teams you'd want a player from the uh from Scotland coming sure, from that yeah. I can't remember the other league that he was in as well so that's maybe a little bit of a concern but given maybe his background and the familiarity of the Rapids have and maybe also he's just coming in to be a depth piece as well you know as I mentioned I think Cole Bassett walks in to the starting lineup for the Rapids as well Jack Price is going to be healthy so it's four or five guys kind of young can do a couple different things fighting for that other midfield role and that of course is assuming Diego Rubio isn't in the midfield as well so um I'm curious to see what this move means and everything. We're yeah. having media availability. Um, hopefully when the club gets back from Mexico in two weeks now, I think, and that's one question I'm going to ask, what do they see in him? What role he has and what expectations are, but if he's coming in as a bench player, that's going to kind of fill in and everything. And Connor's okay with that. I think that's fine. What that means, given what the Irish national team, Twitter's response to this <laughs> move was, um, I think it's a valid question. Yeah, true. I guess that like with, like you're saying, they're restocking in the, in this area. You've got starters. I mean, Jack Price is going to play when healthy. If Rubio drops in, Cole Bassett's going to play when healthy. Does it, does this, I mean, it adds depth, but what does this mean for players like Ralph Friso who ends, uh the new side at Colin Rowland? Like, where do they find their spots in this team? And Priso, is he, I mean, he, it looked like he needed that sort of, he's needed this time uh, to settle. Um, after coming in in that deal that uh, where Mark Anthony Kay left, um, what, what's what's your thoughts on him now as as a as a uh, having time to see where where he is in the squad and. <clears throat> Yeah, Robin Frazier loves competition, I think, across all positions. Um, and so you had that in the midfield and at center back eventually in 2021. And you were missing that with just the quality level. Well, I, th I think it's an interesting question. You know, Ralph's also just 19 years old. So, um, you know, I, I'm not sure. I don't think that th this isn't a move that's going to dampen things down. I think this is going to push everybody to be better, who ultimately ends up starting in, in those games. I think is going to be really important. And, you know, I think also you look at it, I think the Rapids are going to be, I think – you know, with Leagues Cup and then trying to also be competitive in Open Cup, I think they're hoping that they're going to have more games to where there's going yeah. to need to be squad rotation as well. You know, as I, you know, again, another theme of this podcast is just, you know, Robin, <laughs> Robin Frazier absolutely loves versatility and Ralph Prizzo brings something a little bit different from what the other players had similar to Kellen Acosta in terms of he's a bulldog in the midfield. Uh, yeah. The joke that I would call um, that I was calling Kellen at the time was war daddy. I don't know if that translates to, <laughs> um, you know, your slang, but um, I, 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 I'm not sure what this means for Ralph Prizzo. There's going to be competition. And when he does get on the field, he's going to be a much better version because he proved it in training from where he was last year as well. I don't know that this necessarily dampens his development um, quite yet, but, you know, we'll see. And as we're going to get to in a couple of minutes, the Rapids still aren't done. Yes, yeah, true. And uh, yeah, let's move. Um, let's move back down the pitch a little further. And one of these one of these deals that seems to be coming in, Andreas uh, Maxo, I'm assuming it's pronounced um, from uh -huh. coming in Danish centre back. 
Um, what, what it's gonna there seems to be quite a, a vital part uh, last year if Danny Danny Wilson and the Bubakar at the back there there wasn't too many options to change it seems uh, and if players weren't in great form they were still being used so it, does this add like a competitive it's, I, I mean at 28 years old you imagine he's coming in expecting to be at least competing for a starting place if not being like the the week one starter already. Yeah, I I don't see how he doesn't he isn't walking in expecting mm. to be the starter in this one, and the Rapids are signing him specifically to do that. You know, the the Rapids had they had a three man back line in 2021, and it kind of worked with the skill set they had and the way that they were set up in the midfield to shield against every single one of those defenders' big weaknesses. Austin Trustee's now gone, so we don't need to talk yeah. about him. He's balling out for Birmingham City yeah. in the championship on loan from Arsenal. You know, Danny Wilson was brought in to be a really good passer and then a really good header of the ball. And the team knew that one of his key weaknesses was 1v1 defending. And then Lalas Bubakar really has that dog in him. He yeah. loves the physical side of the game and everything, but he's a bit of a chaos monster, not quite Sergio <laughs> yeah. Ramos, red mist or anything. <laughs> um, but, you know, he can get kind of lost a little bit. And in a two-man back line, you can do that if he's got a really good babysitter and then a, at the other center back yeah. position, a really good right back in front of him. And the midfield structure is good. In a back three, it's fine because he can roam and do his thing. And then Austin Trusty was kind of the physical specimen that you had as well. But every single one of those defenders had a key weakness that the other one was able to cover for across the three. And on top of that, they had a midfield in front of them that limited their exposure and then also did a really good job keeping the ball. None yeah. of that happened in the midfield whatsoever. <laughs> Austin trustee checked out as soon as he was signed to Arsenal and the Rapids were like, okay, well we have to go with the back four. Cause I don't have another really good third center back to play in. Mm -hmm. And their weaknesses understandably were exposed. The Rapids have been looking for, a player that's still fundamentally the biggest thing they still want from their center back is that long, like 30 to four yard ball to play across the lines and then open things up in the attack to yeah. their wingers or to players in the midfield as well. Cole Bassett, Jonathan Lewis, Kevin Cabral, potentially on the left wing, Max Alves, who I haven't mentioned as well. Mm. Um, and so that's what they really love about Danny Wilson. That is his single biggest thing. If they can get somebody in there that also is not going to get, um, you know, we're not going to get shown up, you know, be a golden cone, if you will, in 1v1 defending, mm. particularly at the level of DP striker that you're going to play against in a lot of these games in the Western Conference, that's beneficial. So playing a guy with Scandinavian roots where the Rapids have recruited and have scouted pretty heavily in the past as well. A guy who's been for a club that's played in European competition as well, where he'd play a similar to a two to a $3 million player, making a couple million dollars a year level financially to compare to a lot of MLS young DPs that you yeah. would see as well. I, I can't see how this isn't a move that's going to be absolutely beneficial. And even if it ends up not working out, a lot of Rapids fans are still kind of poo-pooing where they've been at center back position. I think this completely changes it. But yeah. even if he ends up being a bust, they've got four or five really young center backs. And I have to think long term, there's a good and cheaper center back option in that as well. But I have to think this is absolutely the Rapids swinging for the fences in terms of improving the the center half position. Certainly, I mean, you mentioned there that um, starting off with a back three uh, in 20. Um in 2021 does it is this a sign that that might come back and we might see a shift in the shift in the formation um or is it so that there's rotation do you think 
Yeah, well, Michael, if I'm doing my extensive research here on transfermarket.us, <laughs> um, you know, uh, his main positions, according to where he's played with Bromby, and then also um, uh, with Denmark at the various youth national team levels, mm-hmm. he's mainly, he's played at both center back roles, mainly in a back four, a little bit of defensive midfielder, and then a little bit of right back as well. I guess the the next question I would have as well for Robin Frazier, and this is, do you think that you're going back to a back three um, from a center back position? I think ideally in possession at home at altitude the rapids want to be in a 3-4-3 on the road where they're being a little bit more counter-attacky a little bit pressing a little bit more they want to be in a 4-3-3 so again I, I think we could see a little bit of versatility i have to think this absolutely opens the door at the third center back position because with austin trusty gone last season gustavo viasia wasn't really ready um max mark Max Edwards was uh, was with the reserve team, and then Abubakar Keita was hurt as well. And so the Rapids now had four or five youth center backs. If you're also talking about two, one player coming out of the academy who hasn't signed with the team yet, hasn't signed a professional deal yet, and then one player, uh, uh, Matt. Um, Marcel Chacon's his last name. I can't remember his first name, who was actually um, on the bench for Costa Rica in Qatar, um, who the Rapids signed to the reserve team as well. And there's uh, some red tape in terms of how you get a player signed on an MLS Next Pro contract to sign with the first team to actually play for the first team. But that path was forward. And so I was under the impression prior to this morning in the Fabrizio Romano (laughs) tweet that uh, the Rapids had five center backs and battle it out. Worst case scenario, one of you's on the bench for a back four. Uh, for that game in Seattle, potentially one of you becomes a starter a couple months into the season. I think obviously this changes it completely. And now those players have to be looking at, you know, Danny Wilson's in the second to last guaranteed deal of his year. He has been deteriorating anything. Can I now start to take his job rather than take um, uh, Maxo's job? Yeah. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see. Like, yeah, like I say, club doing so much business right now it, it throws up so many questions like like how they're going to be setting up defensively and one of those uh okay i guess one of those um positions that is got a huge question mark over is the left back spot um mm-hmm. with lucas estevez going back to brazil um his uh he he didn't end up staying uh, was move wasn't made permanent so what's going to happen there at the moment <laughs> um there's a couple of young players obviously that I guess could step up, but are they ready? Um, and is this going to be an area that's going to be um, sort of dramatically like recruited for? Yeah, no, it's the, um, you know, that's the one that we haven't really, uh, they are looking at left backs is my understanding. Um, there's a, a couple of leagues in South America mainly that they're looking at as well. So many teams at MLS are looking for a left back in yeah. terms of internally that I think domestically going for a, you know, where's the, where's the Keegan Rosenberry of five years ago that the Rapids could get, or, you know, another domestic asset as well. You know, somebody wants Palacios from LAFC. They're paying probably almost as much as they would for Chicho Arango at this point, yeah. given the level of demand. So, I don't think that so the Rapids uh, I, I don't think there's a domestic you know inner league let me give you some gam and then maybe one academy player I don't think that move is available for the Rapids no. so they're going to have to look abroad and if with that being you know the winter months um, you know it's going to be a little bit more expensive that's the one position that I think we knew after the Kevin Cabral signing was made that the Rapids absolutely needed to strengthen and then it's kind of funny that in the last 48 <laughs> hours we've heard moves about okay yeah Abe Rodriguez is going to play for the reserve team they need a backup 
goalkeeper and William Yarbrough's in the last guaranteed year of his last guaranteed year of his contract. So really they need to sign the long-term guy. Okay. Here's two rumors of guys playing in Europe that are on, you know, middle tier yeah. ones that wouldn't <laughs> line an American adventure probably, you know, okay. The Rapids could upgrade at center back. Could one of the young guys figure out, Oh, here's a center back rumor. Okay. The Rapids are probably good at <laughs> midfield. Cole Bass is coming back. Okay. We're absolutely good guy coming in from the championship with a pedigree. The Rapids are familiar with now they're set at midfield. We don't need any more midfielders. <laughs> we don't need any more forwards or Attackers or wingers or anything, a left back, a center back, and a backup goalkeeper. That's it. So, what's going to happen? So, I don't have any. Uh, I don't have any names. Obviously, I would have tweeted them out and gotten them the cloud if I did. But uh, Stephen Badisher has been, you know, that uh, you know that veteran presence that you know Robin Frazier has absolutely loved him and Drew Moore in the past have absolutely filled the role in the locker room on the field as well. He can play on the left. He can play on the right. And in terms of young players, uh, Anthony Markanich is an interesting one. Um, they got him in the second round I think of the super draft last year and he was a pleasant surprise in preseason and looked really good for the reserve team as well he could be a long-term he could be a, a near-term option the long-term answer for me not this year and maybe even not next year is Jackson Travis who's a homegrown who yeah. I've spoken to multiple people in the academy say is the he's the He's the left back with the best upside they've had in the history of the academy, not named Sam Vines. They're not <laughs> saying he's as good as Sam Vines. They're not saying that he's got like national team and like going to Europe potential or anything, but he's the best one they've seen from that. You have to think that that ceiling is at very least an MLS starter as well. That yeah. said, he's a 17 year old. He was yeah. playing for the reserve team. He was hurt last year. None of those guys are ready. So for me, you're literally one Steven Betisher hamstring pull away from yeah. having that being a serious problem over the course of the next couple of months. I think they need to strengthen. I think they're okay. They can be okay right now, but if you're telling me they don't sign somebody by the end of the season, by the end of the primary transfer window, then they could be in real trouble and absolutely yeah. need to sign somebody in the summer. So um, we'll see. That's the one position I would have picked if, you know, we had, if we'd had this podcast two days ago and you had said like, Matt, what absolutely needs to happen? I would have said left back before center back or yeah. before um, I would have said starting left back and then a backup left back before I would have said <laughs> backup goalkeeper. Um, um, but I'll, I'll take I'll take Maxo before I take a, another left a second left back. I'll say that. Okay, so we mentioned uh, Yarbrough there um, and the rumors around new goalkeepers and uh, doing my research, looking at your site uh, previously last couple of days. Uh, a, a backup goalie from abroad isn't exactly on brand for a Colorado Rapids from the same. <laughs> Yeah, well, I, I think, Michael, as I, I think I mentioned this earlier, um, William Yarbrough is in the last guaranteed year of his deal. The team does have a team option for 2024 if they want him for two final seasons. He'll turn 34 years old in March, so effectively yeah. 34 for um, the majority of the MLS regular season. Like a lot of players for the Rapids, particularly on the defensive side of the ball, um, he took a step back to where he was in 2021, going into 2022. The the analytics and where the community is in terms of how it analyzes goalkeepers in MLS, I think has been hard. Yarbrough has been hun hard done by that lens through which you look at it, where it's, you know, it's the, with the, the X goals versus the X goals uh, against effectively your combined yeah. expected saves. And then what you're doing relative to what an act average keeper would do, but that's effectively and exclusively a shot stopping statistic. Yarbrough isn't an extremely good shot stopper. Um, just this past season, he had his first ever penalty save in major league soccer. <laughs> and I think, yeah. He faced like 12 or 13 of them. And it was a really poor one taken by Christian Benteke of all people oh, of with course, uh, yeah. <laughs> DC United. So of course uh, that was the situation there. So, 
Um, he's at his best in terms of playing out of the back and organizing the defense to really prevent teams from even getting a fire started. The, yeah. the Rapids team defensively is at their best when they're preventing fires, not putting them out and then allowing them to actually spread. And so it was really interesting as one of the few members, one of the four members of the media that was actually, um, you know, invited to attend games during the COVID year with no fans whatsoever yeah. and to hear everything without 13,000 people and a couple hundred supporters making noises well every single game i saw william yarbrough was the was the loudest player and then one of danny wilson or jack price was the second loudest player maybe at times the loudest player on the opposing team was the third loudest but very regularly the four loudest people on the pitch were yarbrough price wilson robin frazier in that order so (laughs) you know yarbrough is very good at seeing what the offense the opponent is doing particularly with the ball communicating what needs to be to the defenders in front of him and then them positionally preventing anything from going forward. That is where he's at his best. When the midfield's an absolute mess, when the center backs are a mess, when they're chopping and changing and rotating around everything, it's really hard to be particularly good at that. And so if they're able to stabilize the center back position, the midfield structure in front of him, Jack Price obviously is going to be back to be barking orders and, you know, yelling (laughs) at other people as well, you know, corralling Cole Bassett and, uh, you know, Ralph Prizzo. And if you guys don't do this, I am turning this car around, (laughs) young boys, kind of a thing. So that's what Will's capable of. That's what he's best at. He is a flawed and has a very hard ceiling in terms of what he's capable of Mm. being as a goalkeeper and he's on the older side and maybe he wants to retire and if nothing else he's in the final guaranteed year of his deal if the rapids are thinking there's a real possibility we could decline that option and yarbrough does not come back with the team it's really right now preferably you know at the end of last season that you need to start thinking about what are we doing in terms of the future goalkeeper position chris sharpie the goalkeeper coach loves abraham rodriguez he's been in the academy for he was in the academy for four or five years he's been on loan with switchbacks down in the usl championships played fantastically there he was great on a really really bad Bad, um <laughs> MLS next pro team um for Rapids 2 last year he had a lot of practice with shot stopping and yeah. penalties <laughs> and all those things he, he's 21 years old and he's still a little bit undersized um and so he's not ready he he could nice. be the heir apparent in terms of long term I think there is a time in the next decade where Abe Rodriguez is the majority starter for one continuous MLS season it's not this year it's not next year it's probably not the year after that can the Rapids okay. find a goalkeeper that they really like. And so this is where I think it's interesting, these two rumors, Michael, and then also where they're coming from geographically. You have Patrick Pence, um, who's an Austrian goalkeeper who's been riding the bench at uh, Rems in uh, in France. He started the first seven games of the season and has been on the bench since. Uh, they started, signed another goalkeeper, and that was the starter. Pence is the backup. Does he want to go back to Austria? Does you know? Does he mm-hmm. want to come into an opportunity where he knows he's going to be the starter in a year? I think it's an interesting question. And I think the more interesting one in terms of like journey traveled is Francis Uzoho, who's starting for the super team in Cyprus to the extent yep. that Cyprus has super teams <laughs> and everything. Um, and also he was the goalkeeper who started for Nigeria at the 2018 World Cup, which I think is an interesting fact. Uh, the uh, Rapids yeah. have a good history with goalkeepers who play in World Cups coming to, <laughs> coming to the Colorado rapid so i think these are two interesting rumors if you look at like price point where they would be in terms of cost i think it's reasonable 
the one real question in the methodology I have behind, and I should say nothing's done, nothing's close no. to be done. These are initial talks and communication and preliminary. There's at least like um, there's some interest from the club and from the player and having the conversation. So if we're comparing this to, uh, you know, this is receiving the transfer request from football manager or from <laughs> yeah. FIFA and then saying like, let's negotiate. And then you go into the CGI uh, restaurant in the back room, as opposed <laughs> to just immediately saying, no, we're not interested in selling the player. That's where we're at. Nothing is remotely close. Don't expect the Rapids to the Rapids are going <laughs> to announce two two signings in the next 48 <laughs> hours. Neither of them are these goalkeepers. So um, so I think that's a that's a grain of salt. The one question I really have with this, Michael, is goalkeepers grow on trees, trees mm. in Major League Soccer. Yeah. Why wouldn't you exhaust your options looking around the benches of other MLS teams, juniors and senior goalkeepers who are going to be available in the draft potentially, maybe somebody in the USL and everything look for where's the next Tim Melia, who was a pool goalkeeper at one point who got yeah. signed to Sporting Kansas City because they had a crisis of injuries at the goalkeeper position. Where's Brad Stuber, who's riding the bench at New York <laughs> Red Bulls, was never going to get a game. And then he got picked up in the expansion draft by Austin FC and he could win goalkeeper of the year this year. Yeah. You know, where's <laughs> that player that you could get for 250 K rather than potentially spending half a million, at least in a transfer fee for a player that's going to cost in salary, just as much as Yarbrough, maybe potentially more. I'm not saying there's a good track record of veteran of uh, goalkeepers who established themselves on some level in Europe coming into MLS and then thinking, you know, I want an MLS adventure. I'd like a, you know, a more stable situation with that. Let me go do this for four or five years and then see what happens rather than maybe writing it out. There are goalkeepers like that based on the club situations of these two, Pence and Uzoho, they could fit it as well. I'm really only okay with this if the Rapids looked around, kicked the tires on all their USL targets, Chris Sharpie and the analytics team looked at it, didn't really like any of the backup goalkeepers that they think they could bring in this year. And they saw something either in the analytics or in a scouting report or in an interview they had with a former coach to where they really like something and think that this guy is long-term going to be this is this is are either of these goalkeepers coming to the Colorado Rapids going to be a significant upgrade in 2025 to what Yarbrough was in 2021. If the Rapids have done all that work and say the answer to that question is yes, I'm fine with either of these signings. I'm fine with spending a transfer fee and international roster spot on a goalkeeper. If they're even wishy-washy, I would say, like, go back to the scouting reports that you've had in terms of internally, domestically. That's my only one behind this that I don't really like. I like the thinking behind the Wolves midfielder. I like the thinking behind um, behind the center back as well. Um, but this yeah. is the, that's the only question that I really have in the methodology on these two um, targets. So they, um, yeah, this is it's an interesting way to go. Like you say, the, the the style of recruitment that Colorado go through and the opportunities of finding domestic-based players so high. It's yeah, it's an interesting mm -hmm. way of doing things. And yeah, it'll be it'll be yeah, fascinating to see what happens over the next coming next few weeks. Um, left of the time to bring players across. Um, the it's now we look at it. Um, with the uh, the deals that have already happened. It, it looks like obviously we've mentioned left back is the key area. Um, is there any other areas now where you're thinking this this needs to be addressed um, before uh, this in this off season, not waiting till the summer? 
No, I, I think they're good, to be honest. If we're assuming if Fabrizio Romano not quite giving the here we go is good on the center yeah. back, then I think they're good. Um, then are good. Then they're good with that. And I don't think the goalkeeper position is something that needs to get resolved right now. You know, they can pick up some player from, you know, the pool recruitment that's going to make 100K this year to be the backup as well. So they're not urgent on the goalkeeper position, assuming William Yarbrough, um, you know, hasn't been hurt in the, yeah. in the preseason uh, closed door scrimmage they're having earlier today as well. So goalkeepers may be a long term move to where maybe they're kicking the tires on now and then definitely are striking in the summer when yeah. it would be easier for the two European clubs to happen. But if the center backs of the line, if the Wolves midfielder, um, Connor Ronan, is coming in as well, then um, surprisingly, the Colorado Rapids have done all of their business. If we're talking about them being <laughs> potentially effectively uh, done in principle by, you know, the 19th of January and everything. Normally it's the, you know, the, the winter window comes through. The Rapids have made one domestic move that's not particularly interesting whatsoever. have you. And then there aren't even rumors at this point, let alone signings that are potentially about to be announced. And then suddenly there's a scramble in February and maybe they sign some guys and half of them end up being bust, what have you. But left back's the only real concern that I have. You know, they they got their business done early at the key position in terms of bringing in Kevin Cabral once they knew that Jossie Zardes was going to leave to Austin. Um, you know, they uh, re-signed a few players as well, um, the, so they're good on that front as well. It was really depth in the midfield, Cole Bassett back, Connor Ronan check, center back upgrade check, um, you know, and then uh, left back's really the only concern. Ironically, if you had asked me, you know, if you'd asked me again the day that Kevin Cabral signed, Matt, what's the next position that you're targeting as well? I would have said left back over all of these positions. Yeah. Um, maybe it's taking a little bit more time. Good things come to those who wait, I suppose. But um, uh, sign a left back before that, before that is who can start in that game in Seattle. And I think they're totally fine um, right now. The goalkeeper doesn't need to happen right now. Um, and I'm not even sure the, the upgrade at center. Uh, well, the upgraded center back's already happening, but the, the 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 goalkeeper position is the one that maybe hasn't, doesn't look like it's towards getting done, and I don't think that's urgent. That can come back and happen in the summer. That could happen next January, and I think the, the Rapids would be fine, you know, running out Yarbrough again for the entire season this year. Yeah, uh, it's interesting. Um the one of uh, uh one of your articles that I was reading, like uh, Fraser saying like 20, 2022 was an anomaly. We're not gonna yes. go through this once again. Like yeah, th this has happened, it's never happening again. Well, um what makes you what makes um uh what brings confidence to the fact that that's that's gonna be true in 2023? Like the way that this team is it is it like you said, they've brought in these players a little bit more depth that you can think actually we're covering some of the weaknesses now with who's brought in, or is it the fact that they've experienced this and it's like no, no one enjoyed that and it's gonna be a step up again next year? I think it's I think it's a bit of everything, obviously. You know, it left a it the last year left a really sour taste, and I think in most players' mouths. And I think especially you look at um, you know, they were thoroughly out of the playoff race by, you know, August. I think they had that three, they had that three game road trip um where they got shellacked in Philly, they got shellacked in Nashville, and then fought for that. Uh, that was the scoreless draw against DC where Yarbrough saved the Benteke penalty. Yeah. Um, and you know, that was kind of seen as like the death blow, like, okay, the Rapids aren't making the playoffs, and they fought back home wins against Vancouver and against San Jose and you know so they they were so close at the end and I think it was so sour for them seeing how they got off to a poor start and everything um they didn't play well in the middle of summer they had injuries I think they thought yeah like we'll figure it out and by the time it was time to kind of figure it out they didn't really and then it was just so close right there you know you yeah. look at it Michael um uh 
there was a, a red miss red card to Acosta against Houston. And then Houston scores at the depth to make it one, one. And then Yarbrough has a really terrible back pass and stoppage time at Houston to turn a one nil lead into a counterattack goal that leads to one, one literally those two plays Acosta doesn't go in for a second yellow Yarbrough punts that goal kick out of bounds. Yeah. That is four more points against Houston. The Rapids are the seventh seed. Now, yeah. do, now do they go to LAC <laughs> and get destroyed? Probably, but you know, but, but you know, it's, it's beside the point. So I, I think the, the players look at it and think we, had, there were so many lessons learned and so many failures and all the things that we did well in 2021, we didn't carry that over in 2022 yeah. that, okay. Lesson learned there. We're never going through that again. That was horrible yeah. <laughs> on some level. There was an anomaly of injuries as well that destroyed all of their depth as well. You have to think that they're going to be fitter this season as well. That's mm -hmm. going to be better players that had a down year are going to be thinking, I want to bounce back. I want to be closer to where I was in 2021 from where I was in 2022. And certainly now as we're seeing the front office is saying, yeah, we're upgrading positions. We're adding depth in positions of strength, okay. just in case there's a major injury. That's never happening again. And we haven't really talked about it, Michael. Uh, Robin Frazier, I think is sneakily one of the best underrated coaches in mm. major league soccer. He is right now in terms of his MLS journey, potentially where Graham Potter without the move to Chelsea was yeah. like three or four <laughs> years ago um, in terms of he's a really calm head. Um, he's a calming and then coming up with solutions uh, presence in the locker room as well. He's a player's yeah. manager. He's all about culture and all of that. And he's improved so many veteran players or put them in positions to succeed. And every single young player that he's worked with has gotten significantly better from their first year working with him to their second year working with him. And most of them are much better in their third year from what they were in their first year as well. So I have to think he's looking back and thinking, I did something horribly wrong tactically in the middle of the summer. I learned from that. I'm going to solve problems there. So Robin Frazier has interesting tactical wrinkles that we haven't even seen that's yeah. going to deal with the roster with where it is right now. They're making upgrades at key positions as well. They're going to be much healthier. And all the players are kind of coming in pissed off thinking like last year was horrible. <laughs> yeah. Let's prove that better as well. So th there's no doubt in my mind now if they if they sign a left back um, that's as good or better than Lucas Estevez before February 26th as well. This team is a playoff team. There's no doubt in my mind about that. Yeah, you'd, you'd imagine the way you, like, like you're talking, the fact that you're bringing in all the, yeah, adding this depth and you're not having to fight fires quite as much, you'd hope, in, in 2023. You definitely can see them, yeah, pushing their way straight back up into a, a playoff spot. And I've, I've been asking people from, like, uh, speaking to people who cover other sides, like, who's this young player that's going to come through that people outside of um, the club maybe don't know too much about who they could uh, they can enjoy i was gonna ask you that but also from the way that colorado is and the way Jeff there's Brady four is. or five of them i can yeah. give you <laughs> <laughs> but i was thinking like there may be one young player but also an older player because it's like you were just saying there. there's players that come in who are maybe at the lowest point of some of their levels of their forms throughout their career that they can turn it around in colorado with under um under the management here so is there a young player and maybe someone else who's a little bit more experienced that maybe next year's like 2023 is going to be a, the time that they can really start progressing again and reaching their heights I've mentioned it a few times, Ali the Raz, I think, was the player that we were expecting to break out with the midfield departures that we had last season. And then he broke his tibia, fibula, one of the bones in the leg, yeah. and he's effectively <laughs> out for the rest of the year. He yeah. was back in, he was done rehabbing and then training with the team through the end of the rest of the season, but, you know, figured, you know, get one game doesn't really matter that much. Oh, yeah. So yeah. he's kind of the one, you know, 
teams and most people around MLS knew who Sam Vines was in 2019. They knew about Cole Bassett. They had heard of Sebastian Anderson. I don't know that everybody's heard of Ali LaRoz. He's the one that I think could break out. Most people know who Ralph Prizzo is. Um, the one as well, Sebastian Anderson, you know, came in and he signed with the first team and then the Rapids immediately signed Keegan Rosenberry, you know, Stallworth <laughs> doesn't make a defensive mistake. Iron Man has played, uh, you know, uh, he's played every single minute, all 34 <laughs> starts, uh, you know, for three seasons in a row. And Seb, Sebby's kind of been behind him as well he's looked good on loan spells that he's had to the champ um the championship the usl championship yeah. not the english <laughs> championship but you know i i question with what i've seen from him i don't know that his ceiling is more than just like mls role player maybe starter if you don't really have depth options there i think ollie's really the one where there's a lot of youth potential with his pedigree in terms of the time he spent at the academy level in germany so he's a really good presser and he's a bit of a physical specimen for his side as well and then he did spend a little bit of time in the uh, satellite academy that barcelona has out yeah. in arizona so he's really good him and cole bassett are if you look at like under 22 like two players from any one MLS team that could 5v2 Rondo the other two under 22 players yeah. Cole Baston and Ali LaRoz have to be top five in major league soccer and so I think him and Ralph Prisso could break out albeit mostly off the bench for the Rapids this season and then you mentioned kind of old players that kind of had a bad year last year as well that could um you know that could see an upgrade or could see an improvement as well um would be Brian Acosta for me in the midfield who kind yeah. of came in and he was supposed to be in a different way um an upgrade not an upgrade a um a replacement for Kellen Acosta who had departed you know and then Jack Price pulls his calf and it's like well you're the best number six we have even yeah. though you're out of position and he was kind of scrambling and I think there were a lot of ways similar to Danny Wilson where he looked really bad and people thought that he was on a poor run of form last year when he was just he was working with a really bad situation that was exposing him to all of his greatest weaknesses as well and so I'm wondering does he take a step up now knowing that there's better midfielders in front of him that are going to provide an outlet for him to pass to and then also Jack Price is going to be healthy and every midfielder on this team has looked better with Jack Price than they yeah. have without him as well so can Brian Acosta not get to where Kellen Acosta was because I think Kellen's certainly a better player but can he be a serviceable like above replacement level player as well to kind of stabilize that in the midfield and then if he doesn't because he fails as well then that just means that Connor Ronan or Ralph Prizzo or Ollie LaRoz are beating him out in training and then earning that spot yeah that's uh, interesting interesting like yeah we said you said you'd definitely be a playoff side um well yeah, the way things are going and if uh, all clicks and no uh major injuries concerns and things like that do you think uh, a home is is a home playoff game. What um, Colorado should be aiming for, uh, or is it just let's just get ourselves back in the playoffs and we'll 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 attack that from there. I think a, a home playoff game, I think, is the reach goal. I think the first thing, obviously, is to be top seven in the Western Conference, but I, th I think that would be their ceiling. I think they could, I think this team could finish fourth in the Western Conference. I'm not going to predict that, um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I think that's certainly what they're capable of. I think Seattle's definitely going to be better this season. I'm, I'm kind of curious about Nashville because they haven't done mm. a whole lot. And I think really their weaknesses were certainly exposed. You know, I do, mm. um, I think LAFC. Oh, they're moving across to the east, aren't they? Uh, oh, Nashville, yes, they are moving so, across yeah, the east. So I forgot. There's got St. There's... Louis now to. <laughs> Uh, to work out what what's going to happen there <laughs> i am not worried about st louis city finishing above the colorado rapids in the western <laughs> conference this year you know but i think i think sporting kansas city's done some interesting things lafc obviously is going to be up there and yeah. then uh did the la galaxy finally take their step up back to being a real contender in the west as opposed to a hopeful those would be the teams i'd feel comfortable the two la's and then seattle kansas city ish we'll see 
are the ones that I feel confident um, in uh, will certainly be better than the Colorado Rapids. You know, I've seen there's some rumors about around Driussi, and then now that like the you know the the you know the words out, Austin's good, and so Austin should be taken seriously in ways that yeah. maybe the Rapids were able to um, take care of business against them in 2021. But I think certainly, definitely back in the playoffs, and I think they're thinking that's something we want to uh, get. But um, but you know, but that's the bonus. So again, if I make another FIFA analogy, the primary goal is to just make the playoffs but you know then the the bonuses will come in if the rapids finish top four i think they can um i don't know that they will uh talk to me in two months when they sign a left back finally yeah exactly exactly man thank you so much for joining me um it's really really great to dive into colorado it's not um it's uh it's not a side i've been able to talk to anyone about before so this is uh this has been great for me um and can you remind everyone where they can follow you and um all the work around the colorado rapids so they can keep up to date this year yeah, thank you. Um, so you can follow me on Twitter at LWOS Matt Pollard. My last name's P-O-L-L-A-R-D. Um, since we've been talking about Scandinavian yeah. center backs, it's two mats in Matt and Matthew. Um, and then if you want to hear me in auditory form, uh, holding the high line with Rabbi and Red, um, you know, find it on any podcatcher. We're on every single podcatcher all of our fans want us to be on. Um, and then that uh, Twitter account is at Rapids96Podcast. And the majority of my written work, you can find at BurgundyWave.com on SB Nation and at BurgundyWave on Twitter. Brilliant. Thanks again. And I uh, hope you have a great uh, great time following the, uh, following the team this season and uh, a lot more ups than there were downs last year. Yeah, thank you for having me, Michael. This was absolutely fantastic. This was scratching the itch. Uh, I wasn't able to podcast with my co-host on HTHL. So um, this is the conversation that we would have been having later tonight with all these rumors. Oh, fantastic. Brilliant. Have a great time. <laughs> thank you.